Nehemiah chapter number 4 tonight. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Back on the East Coast. Praise the Lord. And uh, boy, we've missed this meeting for some years now. And that's really where we got started. And I remember some years ago we came and really hadn't ever been in a meeting like this. And, and Pastor Gravely put the girls up to sing. And it was about knee high back then. And, and me and Mama was nervous. They didn't care back in that day. They just leaned on the pulpit and sung and done their thing. And, uh, but boy, that's just kind of where it started on deputation for us. And man, we just thank God for what He's done. Thank God for this church and appreciate y'all bringing us out here. We really do, Pastor, and everything that you've done thus far. And just the messages this morning. Man, I need it. I tell you, we don't have much fellowship out there in Utah. Now, for everybody back here, it's Utah. Yeah, amen, Utah. And, uh, but we don't have a lot of fellowship, uh, a lot of meetings that we can go to, so we don't take this for granted. When I lived in North Carolina, I took it for granted, I'll be honest with you. But now that I'm out there in uh, Mormon country, uh, I realize what I miss. But I know God's planted us there and God's doing the work, and later this week we'll speak about that and thank God for what He is doing. Nehemiah chapter 4 tonight, we'll get right into it here. Nehemiah chapter number 4, we'll begin reading in verse number 1, and we're going to read down to verse number 6, and we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Bible says, But it came to pass that when Samballot heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said... Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. We see here the response as Nehemiah goes to the Lord in prayer. He says, Hear, O our God, for we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their head, and give them for a prey in the land of captivity, and cover not their iniquity, and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee, for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. Now let me say this, and where anybody that's in the work of God, we know when you step out for the Lord, you're going to have opposition. Amen. And we see that throughout this book many, many times. And I love the response in verse number 6. Nehemiah says this, So we built the wall. Amen. I like that. You know, we, we, he heard all the opposition and, and he went to the Lord in prayer, but it didn't hinder him or stop him from moving forward what God called him to do. And real quickly tonight, I want to just preach on this thought, making a difference during difficult times. Hey, could you agree with me tonight that we live in difficult times? Hey, some people's done through the towel in, but I believe we still serve a mighty big God that wants to do mighty big things in the day that we live in. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do love you tonight. We are thankful for the opportunity to be back in church once again. We are thankful for the tremendous messages that we heard this morning. And God, we need something new and afresh tonight. And I pray, Lord, that you touch this service as you already have with the singing, Lord. And Lord, tonight I pray, Lord, as we preach from the bread of life, Lord, that you touch us, challenge us. Lord, every person here has a need tonight. God, you know the heart. And I pray that you go up and down these pews and do only a work that you can do from within. And God, anything that's done tonight, we'll point people to Jesus and give you glory. For in Jesus' name, amen and amen. 
We understand the book of Nehemiah, one of my favorite books I believe to preach from because what it's about, we see here, we understand it's the construction of the wall around Jerusalem. We know that it had been destroyed many years before. And we look here at Nehemiah, we know him as the king's cupbearer, one of the most trusted men during that day. We know that he was a Jew and he grew up during that prosperity movement there in that Persian government. And when we look at Nehemiah's life, he had access to things that most of us wish we could only have. Amen. And we see here one day one of his kinfolk in chapter 1 came by his side and had traveled from Jerusalem there some 900 miles to where Nehemiah was and told him about the problems going on. So we know the construction of the wall is the theme of the book. And by the way, that was a mighty big problem to have. Amen. To take a hold of that project. Some commentators say that wall was 40 feet tall, some 8 feet or wider at certain areas, 2 and a half miles long, And we know the story how God used these men in Nehemiah to get that wall built in 52 days. But we also see the cooperation of the people in the book of Nehemiah. Boy, that's something that we need today. Not only within the church, because see, the church is just made up of many members. Amen? One body, many members. So we got to learn to work together to do something for the cause of Christ. But even churches, I believe, aren't to work together. I'm independent Baptist from head to toe. But what where I'm from, there's only one other church in the whole county, and they didn't want nothing to do with this for a long time because we came in to their territory. But they realized that we're not there to build a church upon them. We're there to reach the lost. Amen. Like the Bible says to do. Hey, we got to learn to cooperate and work together. We see their willingness to do that. We know Amos says, "Can two walk together except they be agreed?" I'm telling you what. When we put our minds and heads together and our hands together, we can do something for the cause of Christ. But we also see through the book of Nehemiah the character of the people. Man, they were workers. They were ready to get something done. Turn with me to chapter number 1. We learn a little bit about Nehemiah here in this chapter. I just want to give you a few attributes just by way of introduction here this afternoon. First of all, chapter number 1, verse number 2. The Bible says, Then Hananiah, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews, that had escaped which were left of the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. Now I know a lot of you know this story. You know we preachers say that a lot and I had to get used to not saying that in Utah because people don't know the story. They don't know about Nehemiah. They don't know about David. They know nothing about the Garden of Eden and what they do know is wrong doctrine. I love that message that Brother Eric Brown preached about doctrine. That's what we've been doing. We've been plowing through the Bible this through doctrine, amen. And so when you come to Mount Logan Baptist Church in North North uh, Logan, Utah, and you just preach doctrine, they love it. I'll tell you something interesting. I brought four men back to a men's conference, and we went to a church back in North Carolina, and the preacher preached or uh, read one verse of scripture and then told stories the rest of the time. And one of my men that just got saved, he's, his name's Johnny Aldana. He come from a gang in California, a big Mexican guy with sleeve tattoos. He's hungry for the things of God. He don't know much, but he came up to me. He said, preacher, that was okay, but he just told stories all the time. I said, man, my, my. 
Hey, we got to get back to preaching the book, amen, and doctrine. And we see in verse number two that Nehemiah, just some attributes, that he was a man of concern. Hey, he inquired about his people. Folks, that's what we got to do. We got to get concerned for a lost and dying world. Hey, when God called me to Utah, I didn't have a burden for Mormons. I had a burden for souls. I had no idea why God was going to take a little redneck preacher from Faith, North Carolina, and plant him out there in the middle of Mormon country. But now that we live in their culture, now that we're there day after day, I see that those people are hurting. Those people are distressed. They can't go to their bishop. They can't go to their family. And God said, I'll send a little redneck out there with the word of God, the bread of life, and plant them out there to be a little light out there in a dark valley. Thank God for the concern of people. That's what Nehemiah was, a man of concern. He is a man of compassion. Look with me in verse number 4. The Bible says, and it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. It's been said that compassion is another person's hurt in your heart. And folks, we got to have compassion on people. They may not look like us. They may not smell like us. But we got to have compassion. Listen to me. Hell's a real place. I was telling someone today, Utah's in the top two or three for suicides, top two or three states in America. And you look at that and you say, why? When the whole state's 70% Mormon and it's supposed to be the real deal. But we know it's not. It's a great facade. And I'll tell you why. Because they they have no fear of death. Because they play the doctrine of hell down. We get accused of being hellfire and brimstone. I say thank you for that. Amen. We get accused for being narrow-minded. I say thank you for that. It is a narrow message when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. So it is narrow. And I'm not ashamed to be called that. Amen. We need to have more preaching on that. And be compassionate toward these people. Listen, all around the world, people die and go into hell and we need to be concerned about it and compassionate about it and tell them the truth. Amen. So we see also he's a man of commitment. Look with me in verse number 11 of chapter number 2. Man of commitment. Just for the sake of time, we're not going to read all of this, but we know that he heard about his people. He went to the Lord in prayer. He went to the king and asked the king if he could depart and go. And the king not only let him go, but gave him some letters so he could obtain some supplies to rebuild the wall. And verse number 11, look with me in chapter number 2. He says, So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. And I rose in the night, and I, I and some men, few men with me, neither told I any man what God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me save the beast that I rode upon. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well and the dung port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. And then I went on to the gate of the fountain and to the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. And then went I up in the night by the brook and viewed the wall and turned back and entered by the gate of the valley and so returned. And the rulers knew not whether I went or what I did, neither had I as yet told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. You know what he done? He had a concern about his people. He had compassion within his heart. But a lot of times that's where it stops with you and I. 
We never move forward. We don't put feet to our faith. I was talking with Pastor Brown this morning, and, and I love services like this, but when we leave after Jubilee, we ought to be excited to go out and do something for the cause of Christ. It's like a drug addict sometimes where we get, they get their high and then the next night they get high again and the next night and it's just a routine that they're going through. If we're not careful, we do the same thing when we come to our meetings and we have our highs. And don't get me wrong, I love it, but hey, let it do something within us so the world can see it without us, amen, and go do something. There's people dying and going to hell everywhere and there's a lot of talent just within this room. Listen, the 12 people turn the world upside down. What could these few here do in these days? that we are living in. So Nehemiah's concern and compassion led to his commitment. Let me tell you something. God needs some folks that are concerned for a lost and dying world. He needs some people that has compassion. Sometimes we can be not so compassionate. Say amen to that tonight. But we need to be compassionate toward these people. Listen to me. You need to be ready to make a commitment to move forward. When God called me out there, folks, I was scared to death. I grew up in a town of 800 people. I got a little widow mama there in North Carolina. All my family's there. All of my wife's family's there. We never moved away just about a mile and a half from both of our home places. That's all we ever knew. I was content working for that NASCAR team for a lot of years, making good money. I was settled in. But then God said, hey, I got something I want you to do. I died for these people. Most of us here in the East, we don't do nothing about the Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses. But let me tell you something. That's somebody's son. That's somebody's daughter. And Jesus Christ died for them all. They've got souls and they're going to die and go to hell. You say, but it's hard. Hey, it's hard in this day on the East Coast when you're preaching the book and got the standards and convictions that we have. But listen, we need some folks that will commit and go tell somebody about Jesus. Very quickly, look with me tonight here. I want to give you just four attributes that Nehemiah displayed that I believe will help you and I tonight. Listen to me. Make a difference in difficult times. First of all, if you're taking notes tonight, I want you to write this down. Nehemiah was a dreamer. Amen. We need some folks that have dreamed big for God. The God of this Bible is the God living within your heart today. And He still wants to do great and mighty things. We see early on in these chapters that He surveyed the problem. He looked and saw their distress. He saw the destruction. But He just didn't stop there. He started developing a plan. And it don't take too long, folks, for us to look around. We're in trouble in the days that we're living in. We're hearing about things. We're seeing things that we never thought that we would see in the days that we are living in. But it ain't time to quit. Amen. It's starting to take and develop a plan. You say, what's the plan? It's all right here for you and I. I could look around. Every one of us has problems today. This was a mighty big problem that lied before Nehemiah. But let me tell you something. He looked past the problem and he saw the potential because he served a mighty big God. I'm just here to remind you God's still on the throne tonight. Amen. Bible says where there's no vision the people will pay Hey, this task was too big for just any old man. But listen, he had a big God. In Luke 1, 37, still in my Bible, for with God nothing shall be impossible. Hey, we serve the God that created the universe. We serve the God that gave Abraham and Sarah a child when they was past the age of childbearing. We serve a God that parted the Red Sea. We serve a God that gave victory over a 
nine foot giant with just one stone. Hey, that's the God that we serve. We serve a God that was with those three little Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. We serve a God that resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead. And that's the power that we have today. There's nothing about us. It's all about Him. And it's within. And the world needs to see it without in the days that we are living in. Hey, dream big for God. Sometimes I think we limit God. I do. I believe that. Young people, dream big. Ask God to do big things in your life. Secondly tonight, first we see he was a dreamer. But I like this. He, this is simple tonight. I'm not here to, be, to impress you tonight. I want to help you tonight. He's a doer. Amen. He's a doer. We love and we know what James says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Boy, that's a pastor's dream every time we get up here to preach that it would go and get settled in deep within the heart so our people would go outside the four walls of our church and do what thus saith the Lord. And when you look at Nehemiah's life, we see that he prayed and then he planned and then he pressed on for the cause. Amen. And that's the same pattern you and I need to have today. We need to get down before a holy God. God and pray, God, what would you do in my life? And when God starts to direct you, you plan that out and then you just press forward. Listen, there's going to be great opposition. When we started the deputation trail, we didn't get no encouragement from the brethren. Everybody let me know how hard it was going to be. I got the old me's. I got the old my's. Better you than me, brother. I mean, I was really getting some help on deputation. Amen. They was really, hey, they told me, you'll preach six months before you have your first visitor so you better get used to preaching to your family I said well she ain't listened to me in 15 years I don't know what I'm going to do now (laughs) amen just picking but you know what and that bothered us a little bit but I was just crazy enough to believe God wanted to do something I just believed it we went out there everybody left her parents my mom my pastor and then we was all by ourselves in Mormon country we started surveying the area, and we seen this building that was a, just an old Pentecostal building there, and I said, Lord, I sure would like to have that building. And I'll tell you more about that later in the week. And we went by and just started looking at the area. Then we started knocking on doors. We knocked on 20,000 doors before our first service. And whoever, I don't remember who told me, I wouldn't be preaching to nobody but my family lied to me. We had 34 that first service. Amen. Glory be to God. Miss Janice is one of those showed up because she got a door hanger. Knocking doors and hanging door hangers and tracks still work, folks. She shows up 75 years old, worked in the Mormon temple, and she'd been a temple worthy all of her life. She played God behind the veil in their Mormon temple. You'd have to shake her hand with a Masonic handshake and give her your new holy, godly name to go into uh, the Holy of Holies. And she started realizing something just wasn't right about her religion and got one of those old door hangers. And all it was was us on an old country porch with some instruments. Preacher said, hey, you can't plant a southern church out there in the West. I said, well, I don't know what you mean by that, but we're going to plant a biblical church, amen? Because I believe in raising holy hands and shouting amen. And and he said, that's going to hurt you. Well, that didn't hurt me. That Hey, we got a family in the church today because of that little picture. And Miss Janice came, and for six months she came. She walked out the doors, wouldn't say a word to me. I said, she hates my guts. I said, I don't know what I've done, but preach the gospel, but she hates me. But on a Sunday morning, Miss Janice hugged my neck. And I thought, oh my, what did I do now? Sunday night, she came back and got saved by the grace of God. 
Let me tell you, Miss Janice is now 77. She went out with us the first time we ever knocked on doors. Had 28 people go out. And she said, the Mormon church wanted me to do this all my life, but I never would. But this is real, and I want to tell people about it. Amen. Amen. That's what my God will do. She says, what do I do about telling my family? Because sometimes they'll put them out. I said, just live it, Miss Janice. Just live it before. And by the time her 58-year-old daughter started seeing something different in Mama, and then another sister called and said, I don't know what's going on with Mama, but I think she got Jesus is what she said. And she started coming. She started getting under the preaching. She'd weep. She'd raise her hand. She was lost time after time. And then next thing you know, she got saved by the grace of God. And I said, hey, would you mind making that public? She goes, oh, I'd love to. I've been telling people all week long. Hey, that's what God will do when he gets in you. Amen. And everybody told me how hard it was going to be, but glory be to God. Hey, we were just crazy enough to believe he wanted to do something. We prayed about it. We put a plan in motion, and we just pressed forward, and we give God the glory because he gives the increase. I got to move on. Listen here. He was a dreamer. He was a doer, but he was a delegator. Hey, this thing ain't a one-man show tonight. Look with me in chapter 2, verse number 18. Chapter 2, verse number 18. He says, Then I told them of the hand of my God which was good upon me, as also the king's word that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. You know what I like about Nehemiah? He realized I can't do this by myself. First of all, I got to have God on my side. But then when I get God on my side, I got to get some people on my side. So Nehemiah realized he had to get around the people. And I tell you what he done. He done what Peter says to do today. We got to stir the people up. And he started doing that. Stirring them up and they caught and committed themselves to his vision and this great work. And so they strengthened their hands, the Bible said. So they had God's hand. They had the king's help and the people's heart. And they went forward to do a mighty work. Listen, the only only thing you can do is give credit to God for. You know what happened? One man's dream here became a reality when the people became dedicated. And I'll tell you what thrills my heart is knowing that I can leave North Logan, Utah and get calls today and give people a a chance to step up and do something. And I'm sure things didn't run as smooth as what we would like to, but I'm getting calls today on how so-and-so done a good job and -and so-and-so preached and -and so-and-so moderated the service and everything went great. And we had six Mormon visitors and they didn't walk out this time. Praise God. Amen. And we're, we're thankful for those things. You know what happened? We just went out there excited for the things of God. They've never saw that in their Mormon community. It's dead and dull and it don't feel that void that's within the heart. And they've caught the vision and they're ready to move forward and God's doing great things. When I was driving to the airport, I seen this. This ain't Bible, but it helped me. It said it takes teamwork to make the dream work. Amen. And that's exactly what took place here. And I want to end with this here. We see several things that Nehemiah was a dreamer. Dream big for God. Ask God to do big things in your life. But he was a doer. Amen. You know, something I don't get. We beat up the Pentecostals about dreams and visions. What are we waiting on? We've got the word of God. He says to go. 
And I understand being in the will of God. I, I didn't just pack my stuff up, quit the race team, and went out to Utah to plant a church. I understand all that. But sometimes we're waiting for mysterious things that we preach against. And listen to me now. God's got plenty of places. And I believe He's still calling folks. We just need to listen, amen, drink big for Him, and go do something about it. And when we get there, it's not a one-man show. It ain't nothing about you and I. It's all about Him. But we got to gather people together, stir them up, get them saved, amen, and then get them separated unto God so they can do a work for God. But I want you to look, turn with me to chapter 13 as we end tonight. We see Nehemiah was devoted. Boy, we've been talking about this this morning, about lack of commitment. And boy, we see that in Utah. I saw it in North Carolina for many years, and I'm sure you have too. But that's what we need in this day. We need some people that will commit themselves for the cause of Christ. Let me tell you something that just changed my life. And this is very simple. I got a hold of the fact of the judgment seat of Christ. And I'm going to stand before Jesus Christ himself and be held accountable for everything that I've done since I've been saved. And that changed my Christian walk. In other words, I sat on a church pew for five years. And I went through the motions. And I've done whatever I wanted to do. And then I realized I was making race car parts for three boys who took God's name in vain today because their car ain't turning left. And God says, son, what are you doing with your life? I've done called you to preach. You've got a message that'll set a man and a woman free. And I remember going down an old-fashioned altar in 2008 and I said, God, here am I. Send me, Lord. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I didn't know what I was really praying, but I was really committed unto him. And I said, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. And he said, I want you to go out west and plant a church praise God praise God for that I didn't know what he was doing but I wish I could show you the picture family after family brother Gravely was out there in August and preached and one lady got saved and now because of that her whole family is in church and all four of those kids come up and hug me and call me pastor not pastor but pastor kind of like I talk anyway amen got their little ties on praise God that does something for me that's what wants me to go back to Utah and keep pressing on but if I'm going to do that and if you're going to do that you got to be devoted and dedicated unto the things of God look with me in chapter 13 as we close tonight we know Nehemiah was devoted and he devoted his time and his heart to see this work completed and he done just that and he gave the king his word that he would come back and he done just that but we read here this second trip that he took to Jerusalem. And when he came back, Nehemiah surveyed their lifestyle. Look at a few things with me very quickly in verse 10. He first saw that the work of God ceased in the sanctuary. And I perceived that the portions of the Levites had not been given them. For the Levites and the singers that did the work were fled every one to his field. Now you know we can make a parallel picture here with tithing in the church today. That's right. We understand we can't do nothing without money. Amen? Amen. Missions, we understand that. And when preachers preach on missions, and, and, and boy, Brother Blue and Brother Moore and a lot of them that go around and do it all the time, bless their hearts. Amen? Because it just seems like it shuts down. But God owns everything anyway. I believe that. But we see because they wasn't giving their portions to them, the work ceased in the sanctuary. Look with me in verse 17. Very quickly. Then I contended with the nobles of Judah and said unto them, What evil thing is this that ye do and profane the Sabbath day? 
So not only did the work of God cease in the sanctuary, but the work of man continued on the Sabbath. And I don't have to get into that. We know what's going on here. This was against the law in this day. But look with me in verse 23. Some things he surveyed. And in those days also saw I Jews that had married wives of Ashdod, of Ammon, and of Moab. So the women of the heathen nation had caused them to sin. And these are the things that Nehemiah, when he came back on his second journey, he surveyed the work that had been completed by the people in the hand of God and Nehemiah himself. And he's seeing some things here that's just not lining up. And this is what I like about the story. I like Nehemiah for a lot of reasons, but I really like it for this here. Look with me in verse number 7. And I came to Jerusalem and understood the evil that Eliashib did for Tobiah in preparing him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. You remember that name we just read a little while ago? He was an enemy against them, talking down upon them. And he told them, you'll have no part with the work of God. Now he comes back and we see that he's in the inner chambers here of the house of God. Look in verse number 8. And it grieved me sore. Look what he done. I like this right here. Therefore... I cast forth all the household stuff of Tobiah out of the chamber. Nehemiah surveyed their lifestyle, but then he came and set some things in order. Amen. Hey, this don't work in today's age, does it? We got to be politically correct and got to watch what we say. But Nehemiah come back, he says, man, God done a great work. I'm going to come back and check on it. And he came back, seen some things that he didn't like. Instead of being passive, he went over there. I'd love to see this picture one day. How he goes over to his teens. Could you imagine? Grab some luggage or whatever he had in that day took it and just threw it out the door and said get out of here you don't belong here look with me in verse number 20 verse number 20 so the merchants and the sellers of all kind were lodged without Jerusalem once or twice. Then I testified against them and said unto them, Why lodge ye about the wall? If you do so again, I like it here, I'll lay hands on you. And he ain't talking about praying right there. Amen. He's talking about he's going to take care of business if you don't do what I say. I like the boldness in Nehemiah. Amen. And we need some men of God that'll have some boldness, that'll stand up in the pulpit and thunder, Thus saith the Lord, look with me here as we end in verse 28. We see that he threw Tobiah and his stuff out. He threatened the merchants, but he also took action and put things in order. Verse 28. And one of the sons of Joadiah, the son of Elishib, the high priest, was son-in-law to Sambal at the Horonite. Therefore I chased him from me. I like it. I'm telling you, it gets better and better as we read. He got him away, chased him away. Verse 29. Remember them. Oh my God. Because they had defiled the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood and of the Levites. Thus cleansed I them from all strangers and appointed the wards of the priests and the Levites, everyone in his business. Let me say this in closing. He wasn't concerned. He was not concerned about his popularity. He was concerned about the people's purity. Boy, preachers, we got to get back to that. We're lowering standards and convictions and won't preach on certain sins because we know. I live in a very liberal area, very liberal area. The Mormons might seem conservative, but they're getting more liberal every day like a lot of Christians are. And I deal with a lot of things. I've never had anybody walk into Mount Logan Baptist Church with a King James Bible under their hand and say, Preacher, we're ready to work. Amen. It don't happen that way out there. And so we have to deal with things and sometimes deal with it from the pulpit. Amen. What thus saith the Lord. 
And we see here, he wasn't concerned about his popularity. I'll tell you something else he wasn't concerned about was his reputation. He was concerned about their righteousness. And he was not interested in compromising because he was committed to the work of God. You understand he was committed to seeing this work not only get completed, but he was committed to seeing this work continue. We got so many people just quitting. People start a good work. Something happens. Little something happens in the church and they quit. And they go into evangelism. Amen right there. And then they get back into pastor when something else opens. And then they go back in. I mean, we don't need that. We need some men and women that'll stay to the plow. Amen. Stay committed. When I was on deputation, they said, Preacher, how long are you going to be there before you go plant a church? Or are you going to stay there? I said, I don't know. I'm not putting myself out there like that because I don't know. What I do know, God wants me to plant a church and I'm going to be committed to making sure that church is on its feet if I do leave. And if not, I'll stay there the rest of my life. But this is what I want to see. I want to see some of them youngins who mom and daddy's got saved and some of them's got saved. I want to just watch them grow up and see what God's going to do. They don't know anything other than what we would call old-time religion. Now, I don't get up there and say that because they don't really understand it. But listen, they know we preach from the King James. They know we got standards and convictions they know it's okay to say amen and come down to an old fashioned altar amen and I just want to see that church grow and I want to see people grow in the Lord and yes things have come our way oh there's been some hurdles to jump over there's been some heartaches in the last four years but praise be to God he is faithful amen and if you just stay committed unto him you'll see fruit down the road when Nehemiah showed up it was difficult times but he was a dreamer he was a doer he's a delegator and he devoted his life unto the work let me say this many of you have come too far too far to turn back now somebody may be ready to quit tonight you've come too far hey don't turn back on God just get through it keep plowing through it keep pressing on God is faithful and I want to ask you what kind of difference are you making in this day how are you impacting the world for Christ? What difference are you making in difficult times? We might can't change the world, but we can do our part. And you have a part. He loves you. He saved you. He called you according to His purpose. Just trust Him. You stepped out by great faith when you asked Him to save you, did you not? That means that your last breath, you believe your next breath will be with Him. That's a pretty big thing. You trust Him with your life. When's the last time you've trusted Him like that with that kind of faith? When's the last time? Dream big for Him. Do something. Realize you, you can't do it by yourself. And stick to it. Devote your life to it. Devote your life. Father, we love you tonight because you first loved us. We are thankful for the Word of God and who you are. And I pray, God, that you bless the remainder of this service. In Jesus' name, amen.